0: Hunters, this episode of the Flushman Dustin podcast is brought to you by our sponsors and patrons. Keeping our dogs safe while hunting, training, or traveling from one location to another is important to us. We keep a first aid kit from Gun Dog Outdoors in our trucks and carry one on our hunt ready vests in the event our dogs obtain an injury while hunting. We also carry their water bottle to keep our dogs hydrated while in the field. To check out these products and other safety gear head over to Gundog Outdoors at gundogoutdoors.com and use code ringnecks to save 10%. We transport our dogs to the hunting and training fields in our G3 Dakota 283 kennels. These kennels are one solid piece of military grade material with a conveniently located handle on the top of the kennel to make it easier lifting in and out of our trucks. Dakota 283 also provides other specialized gear To ensure our dogs have enough water and food for a full day's hunt, and to safely store and secure our gear and our vehicles, check out Dakota 283 at Dakota283.com and use code RNR10 at checkout to save 10%. To receive a larger discount, become a patron at Patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. This will also get you included in our exclusive giveaways. Thank you to everyone for helping us continue to bring you Flush 'em and Dust 'em episode Hi,
1: hunters! Thank you for tuning into the Flush 'em and Dust 'em podcast, brought to you by Nick and Tyler, the boys from Ringnecks and Retrievers. In this podcast, we will talk about guns, dogs, gear, and our successes and failures in the field through our combined forty years of experience. We speak with hunters just like you from across the nation about their days in the field and the many memories they built with their friends and family. We are excited to have you listen. Now let's get to Flushing and Dustin. Hey guys, welcome to another Flushing and Dustin podcast. But today we have a special podcast. We're going to call this the bonus podcast, Flushing and Dustin Power Hour. Uh, this Power Hour is going to be featuring some of our fans. They're going to be uh, on here today. We're going to be discussing certain topics that maybe people are struggling in. Um, and I'm going to start off by introducing Tyler and myself. So I'm Nick Turan, uh, and then we have Tyler Melcher. We are both the founders of Ringnecks and Retrievers. Um, you know, Tyler and I created this group so that like-minded individuals could get together and we could really um, communicate to each other, help each other out. Um, so that's why we're kind of starting this uh, power hour tonight. So I'm gonna turn it over um, since most people know us and I'm gonna to go to Matt. Um, and Matt, Matt's a very close friend of ours. We've known him for a long time. Uh, but I think it's just easier starting off that way. Matt, why don't you give a quick introduction of who you
2: are and uh, we'll go from there. Uh, so I'm Matt Mosier. Um, love bird hunting, love up in land hunting, love dogs. Uh, my job is a canine handler, so I get to handle a police dog and obviously get to handle uh hunting dog. Uh, run with my uh, one and a half year old Hawkeye. This past season, he's a black lab and uh, it's been a lot of fun seeing him grow. So pretty excited. I'm on my third um, hunting dog. So yeah, uh, excited to meet all you guys and let's have a lot of fun.
0: Nice. Jackson, what about yourself?
3: I'm Jackson Peterson and I'm from uh, Grand Forks, North Dakota and I do mainly goose and duck hunting. And uh, I had a golden retriever that I just passed away last, this last fall that I'd ran for nine years. And now uh, I've man, I'm going
4: to start that
3: Oh no, it's it's all right. He lived a good life. Now I got this new little puppy uh trigger. Man, he's a Spitfire, that's for sure. Um so I just forgot how much work puppies are and I'm excited to get back into a group of guys and obedience training, dog training and just hang out. So that's me.
5: Nice. Eddie, how about yourself? Uh name's Eddie. I live in New England. Um work in Boston, hunt all around New England from you know, Cape Cod all the way up to Vermont. I got a uh, camp out in the Grouse Woods, hunt Maine as well. I run a uh, uh wire-haired pointing Griffon, and he is a complete a hole. And I've learned so much about him <laughs> and training.
1: Dude, um, I am so intrigued by the Griffon. So,
6: or Griffon, as you yeah, the Griffon. Oh, Pe-
5: people make him out to be like these great. um you know house dogs and you see like designer ladies out with them and at least the line that i got um he reminds me of like a german wire hair everything you hear about it like aggressive or not aggressive but you know hard charging yeah. um difficult to train you know all that so it's a little about me i do waterfowl and upland hunting yeah what's reminds your me
0: of,
1: reminds me of my wife she's hard charging you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> what's your uh instagram
5: handle eddie so people can find you it's uh salty fowl
0: Nice. Awesome. Thank you, sir. Brian, you want to introduce yourself?
6: Yeah, I'm Brian Grave. I live in the northwest corner of Iowa, kind of in the middle of nowhere. Nobody's ever here a town that I live by. I would. I'm I'm up.
1: I'm in Sioux City right now. Where are you at?
6: Hospers would actually be the na- the town I live in. You're right. Nobody's ever heard of that. <laughs> so
7: I, I have. I have one of my
2: uh one of my best, one of my best friends grew up in Granville, so I know where Hospers is. Nice. The middle of nowhere.
6: But I have a two-year-old small Munsterlander and a three-year-old Brittany that I run. I also have a flat or a yellow lab that has kind of adopted mine because my dad can't
0: hunt anymore. Very cool.
6: Wow.
1: Wow. We're gonna have to talk to you about how you train all those individual dogs.
0: <laughs> yeah. Will you wanna introduce yourself? Yeah, so let's get, let's get a little uh, background on Will. Will is on a podcast
1: with us, uh, Upland Brits. He's, uh, I'm going to interrupt you. You're from Colorado. Yeah, uh, great, you got it. Great podcast. Uh, I think he was six or seven, maybe. Go listen to it. But Will, go ahead.
8: Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, yeah, so Will Larson. And uh, like you said, I run the uh, Instagram account, up, account Upland Brits. Um, obviously, I run two Britneys. Um, I have a uh, four-year-old American Brit. And then, uh, seven, seven or eight month old, uh, French Brit. Um, so they're keeping me busy, but, uh, primarily do upland hunting, uh, here just south of Denver, um, mainly hunting Nebraska, Kansas, um, little bit of Eastern Colorado, but, uh, it's, it hasn't been super great. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's a little about me. Uh, I've been doing it for about maybe five, maybe four or five years, uh, pretty serious. So,
0: so Yeah. So then we'll go to Tony and I got to give you guys a little background. So I actually met Tony in high school. Um, I hunted with, it's your stepdad, right? Bear's yeah. your stepdad? Uh, yeah. Stepdad, he actually is the one that got me into pheasant hunting. Um, so Tony and I had a pretty good, some pretty good times at bear camp. Oh, yeah. well, I got a
1: question, I got a question. Tony, is your, uh, is your stepdad, he said, is he not very
0: good at shooting? Oh, he's gonna, okay? it. it does just because he's not. <laughs> but yeah Tony, you want to introduce yourself uh yeah'm
9: I'm, I'm Tony and that's uh one of the things I was going to say yeah Tyler and I've known each other since we were younger uh hunted a lot back and then uh, back in the day uh, i've been I've been pheasant hunting uh, since I could walk that as far as I can remember my dad uh you know took us hunting but then once I got a driver's license he just stopped hunting. <laughs> and I, don't, I don't know if there was a correlation there but it was right about the time that my mom married my stepdad so I just kind of picked right back up and started hunting with bear and that's when Tyler and I met and uh, like t- Tyler's parents and, and my parents are, are close friends so yeah, all part of the same town and stuff like that but yeah I um, nowadays I uh, just hunt all over Iowa and public ground I've got a mutt for a dog he's the mother was a full-blooded red healer, but he looks absolutely nothing like a red healer.
0: He actually reminds you of kind of like a griffin. He looks, he's
9: got the face of like a, a, a wire hair. Yeah. Uh, see if we can see him. Oh, there he is. Yeah. But he's, nice. so he's kind of shaggy like that. And he's got kind of a black lavish type head, but he, he's got a heck of a nose. This is his second year and he did incredible. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. Um, he found me a lot of birds. That's good. You
0: know. Awesome. Branson, you want to introduce yourself?
10: Yeah, uh, uh Branson Shelton. I live in Southeast Oklahoma. I've got two German wire hair pointers. I've got one pup dutch drossar. Nice. Well, uh, just been kind of bird hunting for a few years now. I guess about my uh,
6: about
10: my third year. Got my uh, drossar. This year she's gonna be getting ready for her VJP. Been going through all season with her. She's doing pretty good. Then I got this other pup, German wire hair. Been I kind of took her in as a uh kind of a foster home. People who had her was kind of struggling, had some health issues. So I picked her up. And then my other one, my male German wire hair, he's just a stud and kind of like y'all talk about, just hard charging. He's like a freight terrain out there in the field. He's pretty cool to watch.
0: Nice. Very nice. Very heard cool. good
10: things about heard good things about those dogs. Oh Real yeah, good man, things they're awesome. Dogs. Nice.
0: So
1: well guys, thank you for joining us tonight. Tyler, go ahead. Sure um, you're say.
0: Yeah. So again, like I said, thanks for joining us. Um we definitely want tonight we want to talk about your guys' season. I think uh, you know, it's come to an end. We're all kinda of sad. In Iowa we're dealing with super cold, snowy, crappy weather. You know, so it's just brutal. Keep, there's like nothing to do. It's hard to even go out and train the dog's paws freeze up immediately. I'm sure everybody else around is feeling that too. I know Jackson, you're North Dakota, you said it was negative 28 the other day, you know, without windchill. Um, so, you know, we're all kind of in that law. So I think it'd be awesome to, you know, share some stories from season. Um, Eddie, I, I kind of want to, want to start with you, you know, you're out in new England, um, and you, you know, you're chasing grouse, woodcock, um, You said you had a pretty good season. Can you give us kind of a rundown of how your season went, maybe a little background of chasing Woodcock and Grouse out in New
5: England? Sure, yeah. So um, every year uh, I've been – for the last, I think, five or six years, we've been going up to Maine, um, about a four-hour drive from southern New Hampshire. um, And staying up there, and, you know, we've had great years and we've had terrible years up there. But uh, this year was the year to be there. we ended up hitting a flight of woodcock um and the grouse numbers were ridiculous we had a really um our spring was really light that wasn't rainy um an easy summer so the bird survival rate was great um so i was getting on that, that trip where i went up for four days and we averaged 40 bird contacts a day for grouse and woodcock oh wow um, and it was amazing oh, it was geez. probably the best thing to start our season off with our do- with my dog because like by the half of the first day he was just pointing from further away than I've never seen. It was the best, best trip that I've had. It was crazy. And so how many, how many people do you have hunting with you? And what is the limit um, th- on those per, per person? Per person for grouse um, is four. Yeah. And don't quote me on it. I believe it's four Oh shit. and um, woodcock was three. It might be, it might be four and five okay. actually. I don't know. I have to go back and check. Um, but yeah, it's, it's good numbers. I only shot one that whole trip. One uh grouse. Um Mr. S, huh? Sounds like Tyler. They're, oh, they're, Jesus <laughs> Christ. They're pretty hard didn't to They not take uh, long. They're pretty hard to uh shoot, you know. They they explode out of the out of nowhere and you have about 1 second to pull the trigger and you're in thick woods. Um you know so you don't have a good site if you have you know it's it's pretty tough but um super fun rewarding when you when you finally get one and you know from there um i bought a camp in vermont this year which was kind of exciting my family we purchased a camp way up uh basically by the canadian border um nice. rustic off the grid oh. um we actually know the neighbors um which was nice i was able to you know, kind of hop hop in really quick. It was weird with COVID. I couldn't see the camp before I bought it. Um, I, had to, I had to come to an agreement and go under contract before I could see the camp. Um, but talking to our friends, they said, it's totally worth what, you know, you offer for it. And I got up there, I didn't shoot any birds, uh, any grouse up there, um, but I was just exploring um, every chance I could just finding. And the numbers were great. I mean, all of New England had a great um springtime no rain easy summer um so the birds were able to uh survive so that was basically my season in a nutshell besides i also do uh sea duck hunting but we use a lab for that not my dog
1: you, know, you said uh you had to buy this land without seeing it that kind of reminds me of how tyler picks out his moon. <laughs> nice talk to him can't see him oh
6: my god <laughs> <laughs>
10: <laughs>
1: yeah. it, it was kind of nerve wracking. <laughs> I'm fucking with you, but uh, kudos to you for uh sticking to it and being able to purchase something I seeing. Actually, I have a friend who uh, has done that with a couple houses, hasn't seen them. They tell the, the contractor tells him what it is and that's it. Really? And he bought it. Nice. Yeah, and his wife doesn't even know about <laughs> it. He's done this twice, he's done this twice wow. now yeah so i mean that's crazy so now where you're located at um close to close to good hunting ground uh, I, I give us a little yeah, bit so, of that, so i about live that.
5: in southern uh southern new england it's about an hour ride to get onto to grouse on public land um there's really not a lot of grouse in southern new hampshire um where i live and but woodcock flights you can hit um you know you could go out one day and and Get on a bunch on a small piece of land. Um, and then you can go the rest of the year without seeing any. Um, but yeah, if, if the flights are good, you can definitely get on for upland wise. Uh, Woodcock yeah. definitely definitely good in my area. Everything else is about an hour drive or more. Are how, those how, pretty good eating? Uh, it's an acquired taste. Sorry,
0: Matt. <laughs> I think yeah. most waterfall is kind of an acquired taste.
9: How, how swampy? I disagree. With that. Be to I think most people just cook their ducks wrong
0: true I've had I had teal this year and it was actually really good the mallard that I had oh man I struggled with that how do you cook it Tony how do you cook it
9: um a lot of times I'm just cooking the breast and I'm just doing a pan uh, like a hot pan sear medium rare uh um, yeah. but if I'm doing a whole uh if I'm doing a whole dock up, you I gotta I brine it and I brine it for at least 24 hours nice and then I'm doing and then I'm doing a, a slow roast um, yeah and just and then it just it's melt. Off, you know falls
2: off the bone delicious goose, goose i can say I
0: i'm not a fan of i make jerky with goose yeah Matt, you had a question this.
2: i did too yeah yeah i was gonna ask how how swampy does it gotta be to
5: find those woodcock out there you know so like where where i hunt um it's got to be moist it's not like a swamp like you would hunt wood ducks in or anything like that um where you can find them there, but that's not where I'm hunting. It's mostly, you know, wet, swampy area, like a lot of thorns, um, thorny wetlands kind of, but not really, you're not slopping around for the most part, you know. If it's a dry season, you can, you won't be getting wet, but they need to use their beak to obviously probe the ground to get the worms and bugs that they eat. So that's kind of where you look um, moist areas but it's not like you're trudging through a swamp like you're hunting snipe or whatever
1: so are you wearing waders when you do this
5: Uh, what's your what's your tactic definitely need some type of uh brush pants and i wear muck boots rubber boots is the only way to go
2: very cool
0: will what were you gonna say i think i heard you say something
5: oh no i was just saying a goose
8: uh probably not my not my favorite (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah i might might be uh, i might be doing it wrong
0: so while we're talking to you, Will, obviously yeah. you got you got a new pup this year. Uh, you took a couple trips. Did you take a couple trips with the pup, or was that uh, yeah? Pup nice the pup came, came
8: with me. Uh, pup came with me every trip this year. Um, there was a couple trips I, I debated whether to take him or not. Um, again, he just along for the ride at that point. But uh, but no, it was it was good. We started our season off uh, early September out in the sand uh, Sandhills, Nebraska, chasing sharptail and um that was a blast man that was that was probably my favorite hunt this year um just just me and me and the two dogs um went out there early september it was hot um hot and dry but we got into the sharp tail and uh first time i ever chased them um it was a blast we just uh we pitched a tent camped for a couple days and uh yeah it was you know we saw that on instagram right? yeah
1: and tyler and I were talking about that it just looked like a dream it did it looked super cool was, yeah You uh, you had a setup that that was perfect. I mean, that's what. Anyway, anyway, pictures can lie, but it looked perfect to us. It
8: was. Um, the the, uh, I learned a lot on that trip. I I only brought one pair of boots that trip, um, and one pair of pants. And the first morning we went out, uh, it rained the day before actually, and so the first field I hit with Gage, my older dog, um, we just I got drenched. Shoes, boots got drenched. Pants were drenched. And I was like, well, crap, I have two more days of hunting and <laughs> soaked boots and pants. So went back to camp, made a fire, <laughs> tried, to, tried to dry him out. And then uh, it warmed up and, and things dried out the rest of the trip. But yeah, it was, it was awesome, man. It was uh, definitely a very memorable time. Uh, just, yeah, just me and the dogs, tent, camping, all that good stuff.
1: Did you uh, take your new pup uh, out at all? Um, what's the training like? Um, you know, how are you bringing him up? to make sure that he's I engages mean, your, your main dog right now. So how you, yeah, how are you yeah, addressing gauge. your, baby?
8: yeah, totally. Um, so yeah, so the pup, I've, I've let him run a little bit here and there. Um, I haven't, I don't know if it's just my comfort level. I haven't really let him loose and just, just go for it. Um, I just got him a, a GPS collar. It makes me feel a little more comfortable <laughs> having a, uh, having a GPS on him. Um, so I just got that with him, but, um, it's really just been getting him out, let them have fun right now. Um, I've had him on some quail, um, a buddy of mine has, uh, has some, some quail in the pen. And so we released a few of those and he did really good on, um, he got, uh, got a couple of nice finds on them a couple of weeks ago, actually. Um, the weird thing I'm dealing with right now with him is, uh, the same buddy has, has quail. He also has pigeons and bird launchers. And with Gage, I've, I've done pigeons and bird launchers a bunch. And he does, he does fantastic on them. Pup, for some reason, he's associating when he hits the scent of the pigeon in the in the launcher. Um, he gets super nervous for whatever reason. On the quail, just out and about, he was fine. He pointed, he did great. Um, But something with the, with the launchers right now, he's he's associating something uh, negative with it. Um So I'm. Is trying it to... the launcher? Or is it was the pigeon. Do you think he got? Do think he got spur? I don't, do know. Spur... I don't some... know. That's and some way probably, by the pigeon, probably, maybe. Pigeons... I'll take pigeons out and show him, he'll get super excited, he'll chase them, he's fine. It's when they're in the the launcher, in the trap, and he hits the scent, he'll, he'll go on point, and then he'll take four or five steps backwards and kind of look around. So I just want to interrupt and say I think this <laughs> yeah. is a
1: great time to, you know, kind of, this is what we're doing this for. Totally. Um, obviously, this is our first time doing this. Well, let's open this up to the field. Uh, we got a lot of experienced hunters on here what do you what does everybody think um you know w- what can help will out and, and what do you guys think this problem
5: i think it could be the sound i'm not i'm not a dog trainer i've helped out some dog trainers but i've seen it i saw it once um where the sound of the launcher that the noise that it makes you know that launches the bird up um that could startle a dog especially if you know it's a young puppet got too close and you launched it um and now the dog's anticipating that with the scent of the pigeon because it's associating that with the sound yeah that makes total sense yeah that's that's what's great this this
8: buddy i'm working with he kind of said the same thing his thing was more he said well did we ever launch it too close to him and and maybe hit him in the nose or or scared him and i mean we've done it four or five times and and it hasn't hit him exactly but yeah maybe it's maybe it's a noise thing or a sound thing um can you
10: see can you see the launcher whenever you have it in the field?
8: Can I see it?
10: Can the dogs see it?
8: Um, I'm sure he's been able to. We're, I mean, we're we're hiding it in in real loose, uh, low low grass. So I'm sure he can see it. Um, I put it in a bush before where he couldn't see it. So I've I've tried a couple different things,
4: but I don't know. I definitely is. try to hide it, and um, depending how close you're letting your dog get to it, because I use launchers quite a bit, yeah. just don't let him get that close and that may be you know easier said than done um it may take a couple birds when he starts coming into that scent cone but hasn't gone on point yet just launch that pigeon just to launch it and that's going to stop him dead in his tracks he's going to be like wait a minute what was that sound and hopefully he's going to see the bird fly at that point and not be so focused on that sound because he's further back um and then hopefully you, that can transition to when he gets into that scent cone, he's pointing the bird farther back, etc. But it's just a little two cents that yeah. I would throw in there. Not the ladies,
1: ladies and gentlemen,
4: Iowa bird chaser, Nick
1: Martin. That was him right there. He's trying to harvest a bird in all of Iowa's 99 counties. Nick Martin. <laughs> and
0: it looks like he hurt nice. his neck. I don't know if he's got a thing.
4: Dude, fell on the ice now or, come or, come or come what? My wife won't let me turn the heat up. It's freezing. <laughs> Bro's fucking stiff over
1: there with these negative 19 degrees temperatures. Jesus Christ. That's funny. Well, uh, yeah. my advice, and so this, and for what this is worth, obviously, with everybody else, I'm not a dog trainer either. I've seen some things in terms of, I'm thinking of it in terms of kind of like, training a a dog not to be gun shy so maybe you have your pup get close and if it's afraid of this launcher each time you kind of have it he's maybe on point maybe he's on sit i don't know how i don't know the best way i've never done it i've never done it before but each time that bird is launched you give him a treat so now he's 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 thinking okay this is something i want to do this is a good thing I don't need to be afraid of this. So like when I introduced my dog diesel to not being gun shy, I started hundred yards out. And then I would say I would give a nod or raise my hand or whatever that would be, they'd shoot treat. Okay. No problem. I would do it a couple more times. And then we moved to 75 yards, shoot, treat, shoot, treat and keep doing that. And eventually by the time we were done, after a week, you know, we were right by the shooter. And every time he shot treat, shot treat. Uh, now it's like he doesn't even associate the shot. He doesn't even know it. He just knows that something good yep. is coming from that. So that's, that's awesome. I don't know what that looks like. Yeah. I don't know what that looks like in terms of a bird launcher, but maybe something like that. And, and that would be an experiment because I haven't done that before, but that's you just know, something. That, I was that thinking.
8: Makes, of. That makes sense. Yeah. It's all about that association for them. And so, so whether it's a smell or something, you know dogs are they're just associating uh that scent right now with something that's making them nervous so
4: and maybe if you think scent is such a big thing um maybe get like a pigeon on a string kind of go back to more basics and just get that bird around that scent without the launcher even being involved if you do think it's more of a scent issue um just make it fun again for the bird to be around that scent
2: yeah, did you say that the bird that the dog was okay with the quail coming on the launcher, but yeah, not the pigeon?
8: Uh so quail weren't in a launcher. Quail we just released from oh, okay. the pen and, and he went and found them and he, he did it great with those.
2: Yeah, so I would say that's probably the sound with that dog yeah. and make sure everybody had great ideas. I, I really think positive reinforcement is um is is the key for that. Make it a fun game, like everybody said. Totally. Well, thanks, guys. That's awesome.
0: Uh Cheryl. So <laughs> Tony, you have a kind of a, obviously you introduced yourself, you know, you got a dog that's um, maybe not bred specifically for upland hunting, but he is a great upland hunter. Yeah. You know, you shared some stories with me and whatnot. And
9: I've, I've had, I've had Brittany's, I've uh, hunted uh, overlaps all my, all my childhood. And yep. um, best dog I ever had was, was a Brittany, but he unfortunately only lived to the ripe old age of three. Oh. uh got an around his heart. Hey, hey
1: do you know do you know this is a ring it's retrievers podcast i'm just curious what's that <laughs> i'm fucking with you <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was a joke man it was a joke but <laughs> breedies are great dogs i'm just fucking
9: and it you know with with this dog we i didn't get him i mean he was a, we got him as a family pet you know it was just uh he was a free to a good home farm dog accidental breeding like they didn't know who the father was. I just knew that I, I saw the mother on site. Like I said, it was a full-blooded red healer, but as you know, I could tell just by his body and shape, he there's definitely some lab in him. Um, so I there's a there's a there's a county park here on the edge of Cedar Rapids where I live, and it's it's a it's a reserve a nature reserve. So it's no hunting or anything like that. But it is chock full of feathers, and that's where I've always trained all my other past dogs. So I would take him out there just for exercise and just to, you know, see what he thinks. He comes across a bird. And and first, first couple of times we were out there, we were just, I would just walk him straight through the tall grass, not even on the the mowed path. And uh, we'd kick up a couple of birds and he, he showed excitement right away. So then I, you know, I kind of just went with it, you know, figured what, what the heck. And I haven't really done any formal uh, official, you know, obedience training or, or, he does he retrieves like a like a champ uh we kayak a lot in the summertime so he's real happy in the water uh we went duck hunting early teal season this this year and i i played you know every time we were on the kayak i always brought a dummy and we always played you know we always played retrieve in the water so he's really comfortable with that and the first first duck i shot i walked him out to it i had my chest waders on he swam out next to me and as soon as we got ten feet from it, he swam right to it and grabbed it and brought it back. The second one, same thing. Walked him out to it. Third one, he swam sixty-five yards to get a duck. Nice. Third, third That's duck exciting. he's ever seen in his life. He just mm. immediately picked it up. This one, like he's just been kind of a natural. Picks up on stuff like that. Are
1: you? Do you? Do you think you attribute that to you? Just kind of like you said, you're 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 training him in this this refuge type area he's getting on birds so he kind of just associates birds just in general or do you think yeah, he just, I, has, yeah, I mean, he just I, has i mean he has that drive to just just an unnatural drive maybe to go get the birds
9: i i think he definitely has prey drive he's got a couple squirrels in the backyard um but he's but he's not overly aggressive like he's he doesn't go after cats or anything like that but he, he definitely does have prey drive and after getting out pheasant hunting last year at the end of the season with him with uh because i hunt solo on about 95 percent of the time and uh but at the end of the season last year i was with a group of guys that had some really well uh, groomed dogs labs and i i watched him watching those other dogs like he was i i mean it was visible watching seeing him watch those other dogs so i've always been someone to be an advocate of. like when you have a young pup and getting them in, around other dogs that are really well and really well groomed they they can pick up on that stuff real quick and he, he immediately did once and he was never gun shy i started with a 22 just out walking around in the woods shooting randomly just around him like without any kind of association of retrieving or anything like that, just to get him associated the noise and that that went really well so uh yeah now he he picked it up this year big time he tracks like an animal. And my next, what I do need to work with him is, is uh, slowing down on the, on the, on tracking. Cause I hunt a lot of public ground. So we all know that those birds <laughs> like to run and uh, he, he runs right after him, but almost, and I can, it's the body language thing. As soon as you, I can, I can pinpoint his body language immediately when he's on a hot scent. And if he takes off, I say yep. 95% of the time, there's a bird that's going to come up. He finds them. He'll, I've watched him work birds for, 150 200 yards and he's he's not even two years old. he will be two in march he just got a kind of a natural talent for it he found three downbirds for me that were winged and ran the last retrieve of the year was a 200 yard uh find and he pounced like he was in a dead sprint chasing that bird he went past it immediately realized he lost his scent, turned around and jumped literally five feet in the air and landed on the bird. It was like That's pretty cool. <laughs> it's it was amazing
1: so I want to keep I want to keep this interactive so everybody's just not sitting there. You, oh yeah
8: sure sorry Tony you had
1: a really good you yeah, had a, you had no 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 you're fine. No you you told your story, but I want to piggyback off of something that you said. You said and I want to get everybody's opinion on this and what they think and I'll give my quick two cents on it. You said you took your dog out. And he was hunting with other labs or mixes of dogs, whatever the case may be. But you could visibly see him learn from those dogs. Is that is that that's yeah. kind of what you said, right? So of, I noticed yeah.
9: that when another dog got real birdie, like got, yep. and like a buddy of mine that I hunt with, he's got a, a high pedigree lab that's got super high energy. And he's the most visibly birdie dog I've ever seen in my life. He just goes berserk uh it was like he could he would stand there and watch it like what are you doing and then he'd see a bird pop up up, and then he'd go crazy so it was just like i just see him physically watching that other dog it was pretty cool
1: so in my experience with this and this is with tyler and his dogs his dog my dog is six tyler's dogs are three and two Uh, but we've been hunting together since he got his pups um i would agree with you his pups have learned from diesel I, i i had diesel professionally trained um so i i won't take any credit other than uh you know i've reinforced 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 uh i think he's a monster he's great but i think tyler's dogs have learned off that has you know just opened this up to everybody what's your feedback on that for like even will you got a new pup so you know what do you think about that and you know kind of tie it back into the group i guess
8: yeah, no I I mean I agree with that. Um I think they can definitely learn from other dogs. Um I saw it firsthand uh, uh, my last trip of the season um I went out with a buddy who's got two amazing veteran uh, GSPs and I even saw my my 4-year-old Gage just kind of kind of what you were saying, was that who was that uh Tony? Yep. Tony you were you were saying yeah. Gage was was kind of watching them and and my buddy's GSPs are I think 11 and 12 and just, just rock solid dogs in the field. And I, I noticed that when I was out there, Gage was almost letting them kind of lead it sometimes and, and kind of figure things out. Um, and then he'd jump in there and do his thing too. But um, I definitely think dog watching and I sure, sure hope my, my pup is watching Gage because, because <laughs> he needs it.
0: And, and Branson, you've, you run a few different dogs. It sounds like too. Have you had, experience do you i don't know how close in age sounds like if i remember right you had three dogs is that correct do you yeah i got did you run them yeah, got close th- in age or do you kind of take them out separately or what do you do
10: uh my male german wire here he's four years old so he's had several seasons now running solo yeah. and this is the first year to have to be running a pair uh and getting that third dog was kind of a, I don't know, it was just a quick deal. I wasn't really ready for it. I didn't want to run three dogs. But I also couldn't turn it down. It kind of felt bad. But, uh, you know, growing up, my family has always raised beagles and ran deer and rabbits. And my grandpa's had, you know, champion coon dogs and stuff. So a lot of the training in that is having a veteran dog and letting those pups kind of come up with it and they kind of learn what to do but something that I've noticed a lot of with these bird dogs is run them in pairs is there's a lot of a, a me too type thing that I say that uh these pups are they're relying on my older dog uh to kind of do the work and then they get the point and then or they get the retrieve and the retrieving deal is the biggest thing um uh, they're definitely figuring it out from him because he's he's old enough now he knows where we get into some pheasant cover, what to look for, and to work edges and to work these thick spots a little bit more vigorously, and in the same way into the quail cover that we have. So they're they're picking up on that for sure. But um, the only problem that I'm getting into is with, with the retrieves and yeah. just getting that me too type deal.
0: So have you have you kind of hunted differently? Hey, have you kind of hunted differently now that you that your first season with two dogs? Is there a different kind of router tactic you take to help get keep getting the old you know the older one wants that retrieve but that younger one might have a little more spunk to go get it you know what it what tax yeah
10: so a lot of that comes uh getting back on that bird launcher uh and i'll try to get both of them in which uh, two of the dogs my draw and my older wire hair man they honor they just work really good together but uh just using get them both on the check cord go ahead and you'll launch And being able to hold one, and then just release them after the shot, you know, just getting that formal, you know, point wing and shot, and then be sent to retrieve. For the your... last thing that I want to do is get a bird that's all ate up.
0: Yeah, pulled apart, no feathers left. Yeah,
10: yeah. Do you do you find that having that
1: many? So you have your dogs retrieving after one. What are you doing for those pups so they're not essentially battling over the bird? I guess.
10: What are you coming up with there?
1: What's your solution to that?
10: Uh, the fighting over the bird? Yeah. Just try to uh, send them in solo. <clears throat>
6: you
10: know, make sure they go in by themselves so they're not trying to pull it apart. And I'm getting into the same thing with uh, I'm training them up right now for some shed dogs, and they're really fighting over each other, over it right now too. And that's something that I ain't not really figured that part out yet. I'm still working on it.
0: Yeah. So I'm guessing, did you say you had your, your pointers are steady to flush and shot then in the uplands? Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense to have them. Yeah. Pretty good. One. Yeah. Cause that's tough. Uh, like I'll say this. Go ahead, Tyler. Like, even when you're hunting with friends and stuff, you know, it's, it's hard to even, you know, a bird goes up and even if you, you know, like if my dogs aren't on it to try to get them to recall without wanting to go get that bird you know because like you said the dog that puts it up you want that dog to get the retrieve it's just oh, yeah. you know, it's yeah. a reward for it it's the most rewarding part of the hunt for the dog and i think that's also the most challenging part um to especially when you're hunting in a group to you know have that mm. dog
1: you know i'll say that tyler and i we have run into dogs fighting over birds, um, a little bit, but I, I'm just going to go back to the obedience and being the alpha in that relationship with you and your dogs. And them knowing, cause I, I've seen diesel go again, Smurf and Lola and, and and vice versa. And the thing that I've noticed is if I'm able to even give diesel a little Nick um and just call him off like he he's at that age now he knows that he's supposed to go after that bird but you know if i can control him off of that it seems to be okay and it doesn't seem to affect his bird drive and then i I don't know what tyler necessarily does but like if diesel kicks up a bird and i shoot a bird these tyler's dogs will run to that bird but he's able to call them off too whether that's a nick or is whistle, And I'll let Tyler comment on that. But we've seen to come up with a pretty good uh, for whatever works for us plan. That doesn't deter a bird or dogs from picking up those birds and bringing them back. And, and I think the whole key here is we're not making those dogs shy to our commands, and we don't want to be shy to pick up that bird. We want them to know like, hey, it's 100% okay to get that bird, but it's an honoring. Uh, mechanism for whatever the case is. So, I don't know, Tyler, what what do you necessarily do when when we're in that situation?
0: Uh I guess it depends where my dogs are. Uh usually with them being flushers, um I try to keep them pretty decently close to me so it's maybe a little different than what, you know, the guys running Brittany's or uh pointers and everybody else in the group, you know, kind of here tonight. Uh, I do think with pointers and whatnot uh you know having that honor is uh definitely uh something that you need because you're getting right up on the bird and both dogs are right there when the bird flushes so I think that's very important that your younger dog is honoring your older dog or your older dog's honoring the younger dog whichever one it is you know uh, for us running flushers and yes, they do sometimes point, um, not all the time, depends on the bird. I try, if I know I'm not in shot range, I immediately am on a recall for my dogs to get away from that bird because it's not their bird. They weren't the ones that kicked it up. Um, so that's what I do just out of respect for everybody else. But like I said, every, you know, you got to do your own thing and do what works for you. So so matt so
1: i'm going to turn to matt a little bit here um he runs a drug dog and
2: a, and a lab so matt do you have any advice for 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 the panel for everybody i don't i don't have much experience on the uh retrieving end of that you know um obviously when we work our police dogs we work one at a time majority of the time um but i'm all up for suggestions on the retrieve because my my lab right now he gets to it he just wants it's he's like it's mine so got a lot of work to do in the off season to try to get him to retrieve
0: what's what's everyone using when especially cuz when you introduce a dog to feathers sometimes they just want to rip shit up you know and that's not what you want what's everyone using to hone in on teaching the dog, hey, soft mouth, not rip it up. I'm guessing everybody's probably going to say force fetch would be probably the guess that is going to go around the board. I'm guessing that's what everybody uses. A two-by-four with screws in it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I mean, that's kind of – I think it's, you know, teaching the dog, like – To not be aggressive toward, honestly, getting them around other dogs and teach them not to be aggressive around other dogs too. And if you do have the opportunity to take them to a training session with friends, that also give gets them around other dogs when you're around birds. Um, You know, like a waterfowl crew, they train with. Yes, you're running one dog at a time when you know the birds out there, but the dogs are around multiple other dogs are getting introduced to everybody. They're around a lot of people. You know, I think getting your dog acclimated to other people, other dogs is one of the key things you have to do, but like exactly. yeah. I'm not a dog trainer. so
1: I'm going to, I'm going to call out one of the, uh, one of the viewers here, one of the fans, because he just popped on and he's probably, maybe has the most experience out of all of us. John from Spectre hunting. How you doing, buddy? You got any advice
7: for us? Um, no, I was actually just listening to you guys because I, I have the same thing. I've, I've always tried to run, you know, mostly a pair of dogs. Like one dog's good, two's better to me. It's just I get ground, I like cover in that, but I, I do know as far as like the waterfowl more recently. I mean, I, I I grew up, I had my first dog at 12, and you just walk out the back door and it was, you know, me and her and, and people come out and I took them, but it was, I mean, it was mostly, you know, my dogs. So I never had to worry until I, like I said, started getting into having two at a time. And that is definitely an issue, you know, they both want to get there. And like you said, it's their reward, but what i have noticed more recently is as far as the handling and that is i i have got into the waterfowl side as far as training to handle more which i know you guys do that same aspect but along with that that pairing up with a buddy it it isn't just running one dog at a time they they have the you know to teach the honor as your dog progresses and to get because i've done minimal you know hunt test very minimal but been there and uh i know the one guy that was working you know with me on training my dogs is you know that as you get like i said into the higher titles and that that honoring and you know and teaching that that's that is a big thing and and that's you know yeah from you sitting and sending them from right there but i think that would you know easily transition to even though they're out there and probably more difficult, but if you can handle them there at your feet, you know, at some point that should help transition. It is different when they're out there and, you know, on a hot scent and say both of them are close enough that they're either there, but like like you guys are saying, you know, Nick, you know, it it comes back to the the handling and the, you know, condition and
0: I don't think there's any other better obedience that you can put a dog through than what the waterfowl guys are putting them through like if if you want to handle your dog properly
7: you know as far as for, for handling it i i don't know if, if everybody has or hasn't you know been exposed to that i would say find a you know find a club and go out and just you know watch here in utah our season's extremely limited as far as test season just because of the, how long it stays cold and to get your dog into and then how early it gets cold too versus yeah, I don't know. Some of you guys I'm probably sure too, but I know Midwest and that, certainly down south, they have longer, you know, test seasons and that. But I'd say this summer, if you guys haven't ever exposed yourself to it, find a local water club, waterfowl club and out and watch some of their tests. I mean, it's it's a great day anyways, just to go out and watch people what do, a dog truly can do. You you see them higher tests, you know, master AKC or, you know, some of the others even and uh, it, it's, it's a work of art what some of them guys can get their dog to do.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, has Brian, why don't you tell us a little bit about your season and anything that you may be working on?
6: Oh, well, I started to take, I took my first out of trip state or out of state hunt this year. I spent a week out in North Dakota hunting sharp tails and hunts. That was an absolute blast.
0: What part of the state?
6: Uh, Northwest. Is that close uh, to you, Lake Jackson? Sakakawea.
3: What, sorry, what did you say? Where were you at, Brian?
6: Uh, north of Lake Sakakawea.
3: Oh, okay. Yeah, that's the Northwestern portion of the state then. I'm right oh, on what you're like, born so you here.
6: just Sounds like you just
1: made that up. Northwest no, no. of I
3: What <laughs> fuck, fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: this is your first year hunt out in North Dakota, then, Brian? That was the first year
6: I've ever taken an out of state hunt.
0: Nice. How'd that go? Awesome.
6: And, Dogs and remind, are... us, remind us what you're hunting with
1: again. What, what, are, your, what are your pups and
6: go uh, from there? Uh I have a 2-year-old small Munster and a 3-year-old Brittany.
0: Yes. Very cool. So how was it out in North Dakota? Give us a rundown.
6: Oh, the scenery is just gorgeous. There is so many freaking hills. <laughs> I'm used to flat land, so big hills are weird.
0: Yeah, you're Northwest Iowa. That's super flat it's there. It's as flat as flat gets around here. Yeah. And how then birds you get into.
6: Oh, I, I can't tell you how many birds I saw. It was hundreds. And in my five days of hunting, I ended up with eight sharp tails and five huns.
0: Oh, nice. That's pretty good. Did you then, do you specifically go out there just for sharp tails and huns? Or?
6: Yeah, I went out before pheasant season was open, so that was okay. my only option.
0: Nice. And how'd your Iowa season go? Are you
6: I shot, exactly you I shot just about 50 pheasants. Nice. Nice. Saw a lot of birds. Missed a lot of birds. Missed way too it many happens. birds.
0: <laughs> yeah, it happens. That's, that's how it goes. <laughs> hey, you're speaking
1: to one of a kind over here, Tyler, and you. <laughs>
4: hey, you gotta leave some to reproduce.
0: So are you hunting private or public out in Northwest Iowa? That's like where the prime area is. Hey Martin, is. I've seen
1: you I've seen you miss plenty of birds on your fucking Instagram too. <laughs> <laughs>
6: Well, um i in the county i live in there is very little public land so i do mostly hunt private but i have a nice. few public land spots that i'm pretty secretive of because there's not a lot of them
0: yeah
6: you live in
1: honduras iowa or something like that what's it called
6: yeah there's some hollanders
0: up here <laughs> <laughs>
2: hospers. hospers nick
3: hospers
0: <laughs> well speaking speaking of north dakota we got jackson so did you you said you got a new pup this year. How old's your pup?
3: He's only four months. So. Four
0: months. So you probably, yeah. did you not in your...
3: Oh, no, it gets so cold here too. I haven't had a chance to really, we've been working hard on obedience and I introduced him to, you know, feathers last week. So yeah. we're ma- I'm mainly goose, I guess, because we're opposite of where Brian was. We're all flat. We're right on like the Red River Valley, it's called. So, I mean, it's as flat as a cow pissing on a flat rock. There's no hills, there's nothing. So, um, I guess, uh, so and I mainly go. You're goose okay to drink too. downstream then, is what you're saying? Yeah, definitely. Oh,
0: okay.
3: <laughs> and uh, I mainly goose hunt, so the problem with my pup, I should have asked you guys this before, is the golden retriever I had previous was, he was, uh, he could sit in my blind all day long. He wouldn't come off key or nothing. And this little guy I got is a freaking gong show. He's a little bucking bronco. I, I honestly, I mean, it's great when we're training because I can harness that energy, you know, and he loves to retrieve, but I can't get him to stay worth a damn. And I, you know, as far as obedience, he's good, but like I've worked with the Momarsh I have and he, he doesn't like to stay and there's him coming in the door right now. So.
0: Yeah, so the the I guess the one thing that I did with the program that I'm using, um, is we actually called it Grill and Chill Here, and I would actually take, um, and it was nice because in the summer when I do this, but every time I was out grilling, I would take my dogs and put them either on the place board. Oh, look at the cute little guy. Um, so what I would do, Jackson, is. It's called grill and chill and everything like i said every time i was grilling in the summer or uh, sitting having a beer in the backyard i'd pull out my mo blind or i'd pull out a place board and my dogs are required to sit on that for the entirety of that i sit out there so i'd sit out there between 45 minutes to an hour um, every time they try to come off place or come out of the blind direction, put him back in the blind. And um, my dog, so Murph, he has a stupid amount of energy too. And it he really helped him. Uh, so, you know, that might be something you try, especially now, since it's so cold, you can really work on that inside and it might work for you. And
1: the, the other thing that I would say, Jackson, is he's four months old, right? <laughs> so, kind of let the puppy be a puppy a little bit i mean we don't want to get too serious too fast from what i've learned so obviously a little bit different than what tyler's saying i think what tyler's doing is great but maybe maybe from what i would say is start that a little bit of a further stage so seven eight nine months and doing what tyler's doing and that might be more beneficial right now he's just he's trying to figure things out And I think for the most part, you want him to figure, you want him to try to figure things out. You know, I don't know if anybody else has anything else to say.
2: Well, make sure he knows what stay means. You know, obviously at four months old, he's going to know that basic, basic command of just what stay means. And I'm sure Tyler's dogs were probably close to a year when he was doing that and they understood the, just the stay. And then from there, make sure when they are staying, just like Tyler said, they move, put them right back in their spot right back to where they need to be and and give them a correction too you know no get back yep. moving back there stay whatever their command is and maybe and, uh, it doesn't need to be said but i'm
4: I obviously don't start at an hour you know start at five yeah. minutes ten minutes right yes <laughs> yep. I, I feel that's obvious but you never know some people are like yep. all right they said 45 <laughs> this minutes. Is yeah. <laughs> this is four.
6: That's
4: what the is for. He's nine
0: months. 45 yeah. minutes. Let's go. One of the oh. one of the best advices I got from a guy from uh the PD that I worked at that's a canine handler. He was a canine handler in the military, uh, currently a canine handler. And one of the best pieces of advice I got for any type of training is like when they're learning a tactic or, a you know, sit per se that you always start where the last session began and then expand extend from there. So like if you want to do a remote sit for five seconds, you know, and you want to build on that, you don't start your next session at like having a remote sit for 15 seconds. You start back the five seconds, but then you can build quicker. You know, as you progress, so it's like you want to rehone in on the basics and then keep extending from there. Um, but
3: so, the last question that I had for you guys is so obviously, I went from an older dog and now I got this puppy, and it'd been how many years since I'd trained a puppy, right? <laughs> um, but like the six month mark, I mean, that's kind of the introduction, right, of the e collar I mean, I guess that's what I did previous, but what would you say at a six-month mark would be a good, I mean, goal for him now, two months from now? So I would say the first thing you want to make sure
1: is that he knows what your commands mean before you use the eColor. Right. Okay. So he knows what no means. He knows what here means. He knows what, you know, whatever else, you you know, fetch, all that. And I know Tyler's doing a little bit more extensive training, so is math than what I've done. But what I've learned is he has to know those commands before you apply. So what I always did was I could say Diesel here or whatever the case may be, or Diesel no. And if he didn't respond after that, I could say no on the second one with a shock or with you know, not a shock, you don't want to go, but with a nick, you know, to kind of warn him and let him know, like, hey, I'm the boss. And then that immediately corrected him. That was my experience. But uh, Tyler may have something different with the training that he's going through. Obviously, we have vastly different experiences.
0: Yeah. And anybody else, obviously, we have guys that are in the same boat as you that are bringing them up. Um, I think, so I go back and forth on uh, e-collar stimulation. Um, For the uplands, I really like it. Uh, just because I want that extra control because one, it's harder to see my dogs and it's harder for them to see me because of the grass. Um, But if I'm doing training for my dogs now, they don't have any collar on them. Um, It's strictly, they're just, they're just bare. There's no collars. Uh, I think it's kind of up to you what you, you want to do. You know, I wouldn't rely Too much on the collar, like Nick said, they need to know what they're supposed to do before you even do any sort of collar conditioning. And I think that's where a lot of people get hung up is they try to introduce the collar too quick to think that you know, oh, if I say sit and they don't sit and I give them a shock, they're gonna instantly do what I tell them to do. But if they don't know what the hell they're doing, then you know, how are they gonna ever know?
6: Jackson, I think this,
1: this goes without saying, but like it's all about reinforcement. I mean, whether your reinforcement is a shot collar, whether it's a a no command, whether it could be, I have a, I also used to use a heel stick. So if Diesel was trying, if I was trying to teach him to heel, he wouldn't, I'd swap him in the chest a little bit. Nope, heel, heel. I think it just depends on, on what you want to do. Um, and there may be some more experienced hunters on here than, than, uh, Tyler and I that want to comment on this, but I think like now diesel, he's six, <laughs> I put the collar on him just so he knows it's on him and I never fucking turn it on. I don't have to. I, he can, I can have it on him and he's walking around with it and I can say diesel. No. And he's like, Oh, I got this stupid collar on me. So, okay. I'll fucking come back to you. Uh, I don't need it at all. No matter where I'm at, I could be hunting he's whistle trained he knows that when i'm doing those things so again i think it's just reinforcement and it's kind of whatever you want to make it but don't introduce him too fast is what i would say but let's hear from some of the other people
9: yeah
8: i'll just just jump in real quick just to kind of reiterate what you guys are saying but um with my pup right now so gunner is just a little over seven months now and the whole thing with reinforcement is when he was around six and a half months, maybe just turned seven months, and he knew what here was clearly. But once I noticed him kind of start blowing me off, then I was like, okay, that's kind of a cue. I know he knows what it means. Um, now it's time to kind of introduce the uh, the e collar, and he's adjusted really, really well to it. But like you guys were just saying, it's I I knew he knew what here meant, um, and then once he kind that's of started. Good to yeah, it was, it was a good indicator for me to see, okay, I think he's ready, because I, I know he knows it, and now he's just being a little punk, so.
1: Yeah, that's a real good tip, because I don't think, like, if I was thinking back to some of my reinforcement stuff, and when I would use the collar, I don't know if I noticed what you just said, where he would blow me off. I don't know if I noticed that. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's a good tip.
8: Yeah, yeah, it was just yeah, it was just a good little insider thing for me. And then even like with Gage now, and he's he's almost uh, yeah about four years old now. Like you guys are saying, the older the dogs get now, and he's he's been through a ton of collar work. I have to use it less and less now in the field, which is so nice. Uh, not have to be be using that, but um, yeah, if you start it right, take it slow, um, super low stimulation at first, and just you know whatever the dog is ready for. I think it it, uh, it pays off. One one of the things I've uh, I use with Gage quite a bit. I use it probably more than anything uh, an e collar function is a a tone. So if I, if I'm out hunting and uh, I just give him a tone on my my collar, so it beeps on his collar. It's just like a little a low low beep. Um, it's kind of like a recall for him. So if he's getting out there a little further, I'm not out there screaming and yelling. You know, Gage here. Um, I just give him a couple beeps of a of a tone on his collar. And he'll come, you know, come back in range to me, um, which is good. And and I use that with with really just the e collar preparation. Speaking well, of I that, yelling at your dog. Uh, go
9: ahead. But so, like, what are you saying about the using the tone? So I uh, my, the Brittany I had before, you know, I I used collar on him, and the mine didn't have a tone; it had to vibrate. And he same um, like uh, like you were saying his attitude immediately changed as soon as the collar was on him. Like then he knew, okay, I got to behave. So I really didn't have to use it often, but I had him trained to where I would hit one. I'd hit the vibrate once and it would just get his attention. He would just turn and look and, and, and I would either give him a hand signal one way or the other, or if I wanted him to come straight back to me, I would hit it twice. And it, it, it didn't take very long to actually get that like trained into him and it was a really efficient tool in the field because if he was on a hot scent and he was getting out a little too far ahead of me, especially on public ground, you know, birds are flush wild, I would just hit that vibrate once and he would stop and look and wait for me to yeah, catch just, up. Just, and just get their get attention on the scent. So very similar, like what you're saying, Will- Willington. Yeah. yeah. yeah
0: inc-
1: I've been on uh, a hunt this past year. It was pretty annoying was actually with my sister's boyfriend about three fucking times and uh my boy her, my sister's boyfriend took her dog hunting and uh, one time had to tackle the dog in the field but he chased him about a half a fucking mile and matt and tyler were both on that hunt the other hunt we lost him and we had to go back and get four wheelers and drive through the field oh, and we ended up finding him and then uh, I don't remember the third time I think we had, we just ended up walking around and we found him. So, <laughs> Jeez. um, I'll never hunt the dog again. I told him this dog's retired. <laughs> it's fucking done because that's terrible. Like you ruined her whole day. You ruined her hunt. So, you know, uh, I think this conversation, what we're doing, uh, kind of brings it out and it, it drives people to have a, a better dog and a better hunting, uh, experience
2: and i want to add with uh what nick was saying about the dog that we hunted with his name was oakley and the and my thought the biggest problem he had is he would just say oakley oakley he would never actually give him a command like he would just say oakley instead of saying oakley here or oakley come it was just oakley well oakley's gonna keep running around because yeah that's my name and <laughs> if he gave him a, if he actually would have gave him a command i think he might maybe it might have helped a little bit good point Matt. good point
0: oh man that was <laughs> Dog's it, it fucking
1: was, done Dog's fucking done though. that's what we'll it, say.
0: <laughs> it was the best
2: tackle I've seen in I coach football and it was actually one of the best tackles I've seen. In
1: it, literally yeah, in a field going up a hill yelling Oakley, 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 when that come to him Dog gets within 10 feet and Josh is fucking just sprawled out. Gun falls on the ground. yeah he threw tackles it him. Threw his
3: Put gun
0: him. then tackled the dog. Yeah. <laughs> and no shit after that. He hooked him up, <clears throat> hooked him up to a leash around his waist after that. And we're walking through a food plot. He's on the outside of the food plot. And all of a sudden, no birds flying. All of a sudden, all we hear is two shots from him, like, pointing at the ground. I'm like, oh, my God, he just shot his dog. <laughs> and it was a coyote that ran out, but it was so close to him. That it Bean looked brother. like he was shooting straight down. I was like, man, he was really pissed off at of that dog. Uh, that was pretty funny.
1: And he said, he goes, I probably would have never got that fucking coyote if his <laughs> dog wasn't attached to my fucking waist.
6: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, guys, we're a little bit over an hour, so we don't want to keep any more. Um, we do plan on having these in the future, uh, so definitely – You know, give us some feedback. Uh send us a message or an Instagram message and let us know like how you'd like it changed or uh questions you want for next time. Uh I'll just keep your guys' emails. Obviously, if times don't work for you, no worries. Um, we'll just send it out. But we appreciate you guys stepping on tonight. Yeah. I thought it was it was pretty fun. Um just hearing everybody else's stories, where you guys are from. You know, everyone's different. We're all hunting. Different places, different experiences, and I think that's kind of the cool part of kind of getting a group together. Um, I know I had fun. Hope you guys uh, enjoyed Me the too. different stories. Yeah, and,
1: just, uh, just take this, uh, you know, Tyler. I want this to be a learning experience. Uh, we started ring necks and retrievers, not just to be about retrievers or just about pheasant hunting. We started because we want to create conservation. Um, we want to meet new hunters. We want to help people uh, in their troubles. So for sure, reach out to us. I know we didn't get to everybody. I see John Class just got on. Um, we didn't get to him tonight, but we want this to be interactive for the future. So please send us an email, send us a message on if you'd like this to be uh, every other week or if you'd like it to be monthly. Um, those are probably the two options that we have just because uh, Tyler and I are pretty busy. Uh, other than that but uh yeah let's know wish i had jumped on sooner
0: yeah don't worry you can hear the recording afterwards
1: sure.
0: Next, and time. we'll catch you next
1: time we'll get you we'll get you first next time
0: john yeah so all right i appreciate you guys everyone all have right, a good night care. all right we'll see you next time